Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the live broadcast of Calvary Live. Um, that's why we call it live. <laughs> and it is the show that we take your calls and questions, talk about the things of God together, and we do that on the radio uh, live from the studios here at Grace FM in Calvary Church. The number to dial is 303-690-3000, We also have a, a live text texting line where you can text your questions in. Uh, it has also become our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week open prayer line that you can text your prayer request in, and we'll pray for you and encourage you in the Lord. Uh, that number is 720-336-0897. Texting line only. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. And I want to welcome everyone joining us on Hope FM and Truth FM and Refuge FM and many other stations around the country. Uh, we're grateful that you've chosen to spend some time with us. Uh, it's been some challenging weeks, and to come together on the radio is, is always fun. It's something to look forward to, something to be encouraged in, uh, what the Lord is doing in our lives, what the Lord's doing in your life. Of course, if you have Bible questions, I'll, we can answer um, Bible questions. We can talk about uh, how you're processing the coronavirus and the the, the stay-at-home orders and how it is with with if you've been furloughed or you've been laid off, how it's hop, how it's affected you economically. Um, however you want to, whatever and however you want to talk, uh, we are here. 303-690-3000. Uh, even though we are live on Grace FM, I want to remind you guys that are listening in uh, on the East Coast, up and down the East Coast, Hope FM and Truth FM, that and any other station really, uh, you receive the phone, you you receive the broadcast one week delayed, uh, and what that means is is that instead of delivering it live, um, our stations air the program one week later, and that means you're listening as you're listening to me, you can call the show and ask a question to the live host, uh, and then you'll hear the question, you'll hear the answer live. But then one week later, you can tune into uh, your own radio station and hear yourself broadcast. So it is a one-week delay on all stations other than Grace FM and the online Grace FM feed. Uh, but together, uh, we're, we're talking you know, and ministering live. So if you call, if you text, I'm going to get it real time and be able to serve you. 720-336-0897 is the dedicated text line. 303-690-3000 is the phone line. All lines are open, and we're waiting for you to call. It's not much of a show without you. 
I certainly have a few things I can share throughout the show uh, that we can talk about, and I would love to talk to you about them, um, but taking your calls is much more fun. So while we're waiting for calls, uh, I posted a an article, uh, on, I guess you can call it an article, on my website this week. Uh, I was reading a book on grief, uh, and I was, and actually it was on depression, and I came across a list of ways that we are to deny ourselves, and it inspired me to write a little article and share those things with you. So let me read it to you. It can be found at edtaylor.org. Edtaylor.org is the location, and I'll just read it to you, and we'll talk about I think I because I found that this is one area that is troublesome to many believers across the board and you're listening to me right now and maybe you're thinking you know I'm my life in Christ isn't measuring up uh, it's not what I thought it would be I'm struggling I'm under the weight of addiction I don't know what to do uh, I maybe listening uh, may I just sense like there's someone listening right now that that says, uh, I've tried Christianity and it didn't work for me, uh, which is really re- a phrase reflective of you had mismatched, missed, mismatched expectations um, and even wrong expectations because you don't try Christianity. Uh, it's not a. It's you know other religions quote unquote you can try and you'll they'll, you'll be found wanting, but Christianity you don't try you die. So check this out. Jesus made it, and I'm reading from the article, Jesus made it clear for any and all who desire to follow after him. The key, the first step, the gateway to entering into a fruitful, joyful discipleship relationship with him is to deny yourself. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If you're just tuning in, this is Calvary Live. We're waiting for phone calls to come in. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Or you can text me, 720-336-0897. I'm reading from an article uh, that was recently posted on denying yourself. Deny yourself. It sounds simple enough. It's not simple for many. I've met quite a few men and women who gloss over this important command. Others pick and choose how they will sort of, kind of, deny themselves things, episodes, and unwanted things. They approach their Christian lives like they're going through the closet and pulling out things for goodwill. I don't want them anymore anyway, so let's give them away and make room for new things I'll purchase for myself. Still others I've spoken to have a real valid question. How do I deny myself? Is that you today? Are you searching high and low for the secret to a fulfilling full life? What if we rephrase the question, thought of it another way? What if the command was given to you as you must give up any and all rights you think you have? 
The only way to enjoy the gracious blessings of God in relationship is to learn daily, moment by moment, to give up your literal or perceived rights and choose to follow him. Here are just some of the rights the true follower of Jesus and disciple must surrender. These are biblically non-negotiable. So the question is, are, are you willing to give up your rights? That's the, the essence. The essence is, if I'm going to deny myself, then I'm going to acknowledge that I have no rights. I have no rights. And today is a day that I live in a way of surrender to the Lord. Surrender to the Lord. So here are some rights. Number one, I no longer, let me get back here, we give up the right to take revenge. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. We give up the right to take revenge. Jesus says, or excuse me, Paul writes in Romans, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Number two, we give up the right to have a comfortable, secure home. This one flies right in the face of what's the so-called American dream. We give up the right to a comfortable, secure home. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Number three, we give up the, uh, we give up the right to a good reputation. We give up the right to a good reputation. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. So we give up the, our right to a good reputation. We're, we're talking, if you just joined us, we're talking about denying ourselves. And we are waiting for our first phone call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000, uh, 720-336-0897. Let me just see if I'm connected to Kevin because I don't see him typing anything. Are you there? So let me connect in with our studios. 303-690-3000. Uh, we're talking about denying ourselves. I wrote an article that I posted on my website, edtaylor.org. Uh, where I post on the topic of grief, ministry, life, leadership. And I was reading a book recently on the topic of depression. And part of the, part of the instruction on this topic of depression was to learn to deny yourself. And it got me thinking on a broader scale, not just depression and grief, but on a broader scale of what is the, uh, what, what is the, pathway to following Jesus. And the pathway to following Jesus is denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him. But what does denying ourselves really look like? And what if we rephrased it and said, denying ourselves equals you must give up any and all rights that you think you have. So I'm, I'm looking at this, and the we're looking at areas... <clears throat> ah, I have a I have a Skype challenge. That's what's happening. Um, 
it says that I have to update to the to the latest version. Uh, it says I'm on the latest version, uh, Kevin. We checked this yesterday, so I, don't, I wonder what's going on. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. There's it's it's very interesting that we get all prepared. We were even on early today, a half hour before the show. Uh, we had some recording to do and things. We got everything ready, and then when the show happens, technology turns on us. Uh, but we'll get back to my because we're going to take the calls a different way. Uh, I'll get the call screen, I should say, a different way. Um, and let's go back, and we'll head up to Dustin up in Thornton, Colorado. Uh, Dustin, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to say real quick that I've been listening to the radio station for a while, and um, although I definitely feel God talking to me through a lot of the different programs, I, I feel more often He's talking to me through you, and um, oh, wow. definitely helped turn some areas of my life around and got me to forgive some people that I um, had been holding grudges against for a long time, and it's, uh, it's really freeing. To let yeah, that that's encouraging. Go. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, my main question, the reason I called is I've been reading the Bible just kind of on my own, and I was reading through Job, and one part that jumped out at me is when, in the beginning, before God starts allowing the devil, basically, to take all these things away, and he, he kind of tells him, you know, you can do whatever you want, just don't kill him. Um, but there's a, the part right before that where he's talking about how all the angels are there and the devil comes and he's, you know, talking to God about Job and God's like, you know, hey, there's there's none like him. And the devil's like, well, that's just because you've blessed him so much, you know, take all those blessings away and he'd curse your name just like anyone else. And, you know, I kind of read it a few times before it ever hit me. I'm like, wait a minute, how is the devil able to just be there with the angels talking to God. Yeah. Um, so that was just something that is just kind of shocking, I guess, when I reread it and realized, like, wait, did he, does that mean the devil was up in heaven, or is there, like, some other place that they, where he can commune with God still? Well, it's, it's interesting that you end the question with commune. I don't believe Satan can commune with God. I believe these are... These are transactions of uh, God's providence and sovereignty allowing his presence, but I don't believe he has a communing relationship. It's not one of worship. We know that Satan has officially been expelled from heaven, but God has still allowed him access. And it's not only here in Job. There are several places uh, in the scriptures that you find Satan has access somehow to the presence of God in order to accuse the brethren. You know, in, jo in Zechariah chapter 3, there's a vision of Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord and with Satan at his right hand accusing him. And then, of course, in Revelation 12, we know that the devil is a, as an accuser of the brethren, and, and it says in verse 10 that he accuses them before our God day and night. And even we as believers with the Holy Spirit indwelt within us, the very presence of God in us, Satan has access to us as well. Uh, and then, of course, in the in this physical realm, we know he's described as the prince of the power of the air. 
the question that's not really answered uh, in the Bible is why? Because I think that's the real question. I think there's no question that he still has some kind of access. But the real question is why? And the only thing that we can say really in terms of the why question is that we allow the Bible to reveal to us and somewhere in the sovereignty of God, the accusatory nature of the devil is used in the overall plan of God. Um, but he certainly does have access uh, in an accusatory way before God, uh, and God allows it. Yeah, yeah it's an it's a interesting, um, just, yeah, like I said, kind of blew my mind. I just kind of read it, and then I had to go back and read it again. So I was like, wait a minute. Like, how, how's that even possible? Because, like, you know, I just assumed when he was cast out, like, that was it. He was cut off from God in all ways. So, yeah, it makes sense that God would allow it in some way. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen at all. Um, if you don't mind, just one other quick question. Um, I've, I've been, you know, I, I give to my church, but I've been, because I feel like you guys speak to me so much through the radio, I feel like compelled to give to you guys, too, and I was kind of curious, if I give to Grace FM, does that help all these radio ministries, or do you have to support them individually for them to get that as well? Yeah, what it does to help all the ministries is it keeps Grace FM on the air. Uh, it doesn't go—the the financial support doesn't come through Grace FM to the various teachers. It helps us pay our— our foundational costs, whether it's the studios, the equipment, the engineers, the it, it, it was quite, you know, we're just a church, but God led us to purchase this station. And uh, we were, it, there's some simplicity to it and some complexity to it. So it pays the salaries of, of uh, our producer, of our general manager. It pays all our rent. You know, I, I think our, we pay two, for, for two stations, we pay rent on two stations. So if a particular, if a particular teacher or ministry has, has really encouraged you, then you would support them directly through their ministry. But then Grace FM, that support keeps Grace FM on the air. Uh, it helps us, you know, pay license fees, all the, all the undergirding that it takes to keep it on the air. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for considering and um, encouraging us. Yeah, definitely. No, I, re I really appreciate you guys. I'm glad that uh, one of my customers turned me on to you because um, for Lent, I basically decided I was spending too much time worrying about the Broncos and listening to sports radio and yes. <laughs> gave that up for Lent and turned over to Grace FM and Lent's over. And I haven't once turned back to the sports radio because just enjoying this radio program too much right now. Well, good. It really is an encouraging, uh, you know, it's a vision that we had to to provide 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week Bible study and worship, and we're very happy. It's just life-changing. It's There's no other way. We don't, there's no other way to describe it. The Bible, God's Holy Spirit through His Word changes lives. It's very true. Okay, brother. God bless you. Thanks for calling. Keep keep those questions coming. Thank you. God bless you, too. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 303- is the number, taking your calls and your questions. For everyone that does support Grace FM or any of the ministries on Grace FM, thank you. Thank you for supporting the business partners that you hear. Uh, we don't air commercials on our station. We're a non-commercial station, so you, you'll hear from time to time these little blips of 
commercials like the latest one we've just started uh they're not actually commercials they're they they are donor acknowledgements and we welcome peak to peak roofing and general contractors uh, they just started and and we do encourage you to consider these trustworthy partners that we have uh, because they also support financially our our station so thank you guys for um, especially in a time like this to continue your support of Grace FM. We're very thankful and grateful. And I know that it's not easy uh, financially, uh, especially now, but uh, you're, uh, you can go to gracefm.com uh, and, it's, and it's all secure. You can give online. And then, of course, if you're listening to this program on another station, support local Christian radio. Uh, support your local station. We're not soliciting support for Grace FM uh, outside you know, of Colorado, Wyoming, just our own little area. So if you're listening to this station in another state, uh, in another area, please support the station you hear it on uh, because they too have their own um, support bills and things and they're providing Bible study in their area. So it's really cool to to be partnered with stations and to allow the Lord to uh, use us in these last days. 303-690-3000. We're going to move on to our next call. Is in Aurora, Colorado. Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, what's going on, buddy? Oh, they said uh, that they had written down my question, and you would see that. Okay, I do see it, but I, I always like to hear it from the person so that I don't misrepresent oh. it. So how okay. can I help you? You bet. All right. So um, I have... Uh, dabbled in reading in uh, Richard Wormbrand's book, Tortured for Christ, where these incredibly evil people would had him in prison and were torturing him into, like, trying to blaspheme the Holy Spirit or to renounce his faith, or, I, you know, I don't believe you can be unsaved. No one can snatch you from his hand, but I, I, I just, I don't know why I had this thought, this fear, you know, of something like that happening to me, you know, they start taking a needle to my teeth or a drill to my teeth or something. Uh, you know, can, can they, can you be tortured into like saying things to renounce your faith or uh, over, you know, overturn your, your, your salvation? I just, I, I just, I don't know. I had a weird fear about that. I think it's possible yeah, I do think it's possible to endure such grief and such pain that in the weakness of the moment we would say something dumb or even think something dumb. I believe you can substantiate that in relationship to our normal everyday life. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much for us to do something dumb or say something dumb even now. But I would I would encourage you that even if we were to say something dumb or do something dumb, that God, he knows our hearts. He knows us. He knows the condition of, it. let's just say we were under great duress and great pain and we were weakened. I think all of us would want to say, there's probably some believers listening, yelling at me on the radio, I would never denounce Christ. I would never, you could do... And, you know, I think that's our heart. I mean, I, I believe you believe that. I believe that about myself. But I also recognize that I'm a human and that I think I could be tortured to a point where I might say something dumb. I might believe something dumb. Uh, I might think something dumb. And yet I would be doing that as a believer. 
and I would regret it and I would be sad about it. And I, if it was sent, you know, if I given the chance, I would repent about it. I think it's possible. Yes, I think it's possible. However, I, I don't, I don't believe as a true believer that, and I hope, you know, again, I'm, we're talking theory here, theoretically. Uh, I, I would hope that even if I said something dumb, that it wouldn't be real. Does that make sense? That it wouldn't be real. Like it would be under the pain speaking or it would be the, it would be like a dream. You know, maybe you say something, you talk in your sleep, you know, yeah. uh, you say something in your sleep and you're like, you're, you wake up and your kids or your wife say, man, you won't believe what you said last night. We're like, oh man, I didn't mean it. Like I was asleep. Um, mm -hmm. and and God is sorting things out because we are we aren't perfect this side of eternity. We we don't have perfect thoughts. We don't do everything right. Um, we we think dumb things. We say dumb things, but we do so as believers. And even I think under the torturous wickedness of somebody, we would say things as believers that I believe God would take into account. And uh, I don't believe a true believer loses their salvation. So. Uh, I believe that we are safe and secure in the Father's hands and that he loves us and takes care of us and and he even takes into account our weaknesses and and then one of my favorite verses uh, because during my grief time I'm uh, during I mean not not like it's over but uh, after grief entered into my life this verse comes alive uh, where um, the Bible says even if we are faithless imagine that even if we believers are faithless, and I think that's speaking to an episode or to a time or to an event that just right. challenges our faith, he remains faithful. So the focus stays on him and not our humanity. I see. Yeah, that's like that's good that he he knows our heart. You know, we might be tortured into saying something. You know, that it doesn't doesn't count, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. He knows we don't mean it. You know. That was a short. That you just summarized my long answer with a short one. He knows we don't mean it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> right. That's awesome. good. Yes. I appreciate your wisdom. All right, brother. God bless you. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. -bye. You know that's a real. That, that's a good question. That's a real concern. Uh, in it, and if we think too long on that concern, then we'll start to think, man, can I lose my salvation? And and then if I can, then what do I do to lose it? And and how many decisions do I need to make? And how far can I go? And and the good news is, is that uh, I, let me just read it to you. I think it'll be encouraging, not just quoting it, but I'm going to go over uh, to John's Gospel, and I love this passage. Uh, Jesus is teaching. Uh, and in John chapter 10, um, we're going to be looking at this. That's what we're uh, looking at on our weekend services. Uh, we're, we've got a new series during this time, just breaking away from Hebrews, uh, where a series we're calling With, and it's our relationship with the shepherd. And we're, gonna, we're in John 10 starting this weekend in verse 1. And in, by the time you get down to verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given to me, given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. This ticked the Jews off. That's my paraphrase. Then the Jews took up the stones to stone him. 
they they were mad as as he equated himself with the father because they knew they knew he was claiming to be god no one can snatch us out of the father's hand what safety what security what great comfort that brings hey give us a call 303-690-3000 it's amazing how fast the show goes we're already halfway through and uh, thanks for being with us during all the technical things we're doing with our call screen but we'll we'll figure it out keep calling and keep texting we'll be right back Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to Calvary Live. Taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, We've got an open line. Take advantage of it as you can. Want to encourage you to pray for your pastor and their family and their pastoral team and the, those that are serving at churches right now with all the challenges. I was thinking today, uh, you know, pastors, they love the ministry. They love studying the Bible. They, they love ministering to families. Uh, they love, you know, hospital visits and weddings and, and officiating funerals, comforting families. Uh, but sometimes pastors do not like or many times pastors do not like the administration of the church or having to, you know, make all these decisions on finances or payroll or, you know, making all these decisions about when to meet, how to meet, uh, or even managing personalities and, and just how people get selfish and self-centered and, and they, you know, if they, if they could just teach and love and care, you know, they would love to do that. Uh, but then they have to manage, you know, people that were faithful, once faithful, and then they get, um, you know, they get d- difficult, and the difficulties, and when and when you deal with difficulties all day, every day, uh, it wears on you. And so, would you pray for your pastors? Just remember them. Uh, you may have a picture of your pastor that, you know, what does he do? He just teaches the Bible, you know, forty-five minutes and what, plays golf all week. Um, that it's not. That's not true for most pastors. Um, for most pastors, they're in the trenches. Um, they not only have to to study the Bible and pray, but they also have to do hospital visits and make phone calls and and deal with difficulties. And then if they have a staff or a team, you know, lay leaders, and they have to manage personalities and and the the it kind of goes back to what we were looking at in the beginning of the show of of how whether we're just in our own personal belief, our, our own personal walk with the Lord let alone the fact that we're leaders and pastors, that the key is to deny ourselves. And, and the biggest area of, of sin is when we fail to deny ourselves. And we, 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 we exalt ourselves, and then, then we, it causes great strife and great difficulty. Um, and so just pray for your pastor, would you? 303-690-3000 is the number. Before I get on to the next call, I'm going to do that. Father, I, I have a, a, a heart for pastors, the pastors of our own church, of course, um, their families, their wives, 
God, the challenges that they're facing, the decisions that they need to make, uh, the temptations that come into their lives. Um, I pray that you would establish and strengthen them. I pray, God, as I think driving through town, all the different churches that I pass and how many pastors and families that represent, some doing really, really well, uh, some not doing well at all. And then you factor in not being able to meet together for eight, nine, ten weeks. And then the financial part, the tithes and offerings suffering because the people are suffering and and it's just so much stress and pressure on top of, on top of, on top of, on top of. So I pray for them, God. I pray for the support staff, the administrative folks, Lord, that they would uh, get their eyes on the Lord and they would repent uh, where necessary and to learn to deny themselves and remember their first calling. You know, I'm thinking of uh, in Ephesus and if he, and in Revelation, that church in Ephesus, uh, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. I pray for our missionaries uh, in in the Ukraine, Byron and Emily, God, that their Byron's right hand man uh, left and just quit. And not only did he leave and quit, but he renounced the faith, and it's brought such great pain to Byron. And I pray for him this morning uh, or this evening. It's probably getting to morning for them. He's probably sleeping right now, and that you would give him a rest um, with all the challenges they're facing at the church in Ukraine, Lord that you would be with Byron and Emily uh, and encourage them and strengthen them of the weight they carry now, um, now without his right-hand guy. Uh, and now that his right-hand guy not even believing in God anymore. So Lord, bless them and encourage them and strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go down to Colorado Springs. Justin is calling. Justin, welcome to the program. Hey, Justin, how you doing? All right, I think we might have. Let me see here. Did we drop uh, Justin? All right, let's uh, see. Still here. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Hey, you're on the air. Yeah, hey. Um, I just wanted to thank you about a good men's conference last week with uh, yourself, Pastor Al, Pastor uh, um, Eric. Uh, Eric, yes. So, so the good conference there. Thank you. I uh, hope to hear it again. Um, wanted to talk to you about uh, Romans fourteen twelve, uh, where Paul talks about um, we all must give an account before God. That includes believers and unbelievers. Um, basically, uh, this is more of, of course along the lines of the believers, the Christians. Um, you know, like is is all of our we're going to be. I know there's no condemnation in Jesus, and so uh, I know we're going to be judged on our uh, rewards, basically. Yes. Um, I just want to know, like, would someone like yourself who does this 24-7, uh, you know, ministry to God, that's your life, uh, would you get, um, would he, would God see any more of reward in me who do, who works like a secular job? Um, you know, it's not, it's not anything bad. It's just not, a, you know, like being a pastor, um, right. whereas, you know, you would get less of a reward because you're not devoting as much as your hours, your time to God's work, rather than, you know, being a pastor who does it, you know, all the time, every day? Yeah, you'll, you, you'll be surprised by the answer to that. Uh, I am going to be judged differently than you are, uh, and it's, it's going to be a pretty startling judgment, but it's not as how it sounds. Listen to what the Bible says. 
in James chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And so my life and what God has entrusted to me is no more important than your life and what God's trusted to you. Uh, you you're going to be faithful in the realm that God has put you in, and I'm going to seek to be faithful in the realm that God has put, put me in, and we're going to be standing shoulder to shoulder. Uh, probably, it could be a good chance that if there was a line, you know, using a kind of a funny picture, if there was a line in heaven, you may be farther up in the line than I am. Um, and one of the reasons is, is because I'm going to be judged stricter because I have a different role in the body. Um, I'm a Bible teacher. Um, I've been allowed to be a pastor. And so there's a stricter judgment on my, uh, my life is going to be filtered uh, in, you know, and it's sort of like kids, right? Like, uh, like we're all parents and we all, um, I had three kids. Um, my, and our oldest Eddie uh, would often be held to a stricter judgment. Why? Because he was older and he was more mature and he had different responsibilities. You know, if he was watching, if, if Eddie, uh, when he was, let's say he was watching his siblings, if he decided to, to throw a party, invite all his friends over while he's supposed to be watching his kids, uh, he'd, he'd be in big trouble. Uh, but if his brother accidentally knocked over a lamp, he wouldn't be in so much trouble. Like he would, he would be treated in the role that he's in. And so God's judgment of us will be 100% fair, 100% righteous, 100% the uh, of of everything we will agree with God's judgment but it won't be the same for everyone depending on what's been entrusted to us you know that's repeated a couple times too where you know the some people were given 100 talents some people were given 50 some people were given 10 but they were all they were they were all give some had more than others but the judgment was whether they'd be faithful with it um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna receive a stricter judgment, but it it's I'm not gonna get any pass. I'm I'm actually gonna get uh, I, my life is gonna be examined a little stricter than yours because of the place that God's put me in the body. Yeah, but I mean that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean if you're true and faithful to His Word and He knows your heart, I mean I think that would be an exceedingly better uh, reward. But who am I? You know, I'm I'm dare not gonna judge. You know what God's gonna say? I, I'm not gonna dare sure. do that. It's just. I just think that, uh, you know, when you work in the secular industry, it's like, how do you witness where, you know, you look at a pastor and like, that's, you're expected to witness all the day, every day. And, um, you know, I just find it challenging sometimes with the, uh, I, I called you and you mentioned William Fay's book and I did order that. I haven't yeah, read it good. yet, but, good. um, well, you know, it's just, you but, know, but, it's just, it's just, it's just working on the witnessing part, you know, letting more people, uh, know about Jesus, uh, Unbelievers, of course, is my target area, since obviously believers, sure. you just edify, and you don't really need to, they already know. Well, so. let, let me let you off the hook a little bit, because just if I hope it doesn't discourage you, but I don't witness all day, every day. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a witnessing machine. As a matter of fact, that's, that's an area that I've always wrestled with in my life. I do share the gospel. I do love interfacing with people, but I don't share... I'm not an evangelism machine. Um, I have there's a lot that I do for the body of Christ, but for the many years that I was in the corporate world, and the many years that I even worked for a small mom and pop company before you know after I got saved, is my life did change. 
Uh, my life changed to be a witness for Christ. And sometimes I witnessed by praying for people. Sometimes I witnessed by sharing the gospel. Sometimes I witnessed by, I, le- I remember leading, leading people to the Lord um, right there in our little cubicle. Um, I, sometimes I witnessed by standing for righteousness. So, so witnessing uh, takes on different forms. But I, I, when I was in the corporate world and I had to play all the corporate games and all the corporate rules and all the nonsense that, that existed there, I was in upper, I was in middle management and upper management for a while. I, I just learned to, the, I learned to navigate the system so I could keep a job and be faithful to my employer so that I could remain accessible to the people that God had put me in, you know, whether it was my coworkers or my, or the, you know, I had a large staff, you know, hundreds of people working for me in California that I wanted to be available to them for whatever needs they had. And the bridge, so the neat thing about work was we already had the bridge built for us. And that was, we worked together and that, that kept a, that, that got a, that got you a lot farther in sharing the truths of the gospel with people, uh, than, just meeting a stranger at the supermarket. And so I found I found much more success in my Christian life at work than I did anywhere else. Even though, like, I wasn't standing on the desk preaching the gospel, you know, giving my Bible out, but I had a Bible. People knew I was saved. People knew I followed God or what they would call I was religious. But I'll tell you what, when they went, when they, when their marriages were on the rocks, they so, they sought me out. When they got laid off, they called me when they left. And fortunately, I still have friendships um, that exist to this day. I just talked to a, a friend of mine that I worked with years ago in California. Um, I because of COVID, you know, I knew he had heart conditions, so I called him. And man, he's been through a lot in the last few years. So I know that God's going to use you. But don't view pastors like sharing the gospel, like when you said, like you do that all day. Like I don't, and I do a lot of other things during the day. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my apologies. I didn't. Uh, I, I may have worded that a bit, uh, uh, not like I should have. But uh, well, I just don't yeah. want you to be discouraged. Like you have a view of us. Like it's. I just don't want you to be discouraged. Like we are typical, regular people that uh, that we have the, our own things. The Lord's working on us. Right. Okay. Well, I uh, just wanted your mm-hmm. uh, your your input there. Thank you, Ed. Oh, you're welcome. God bless you, brother. Bless you. Bye bye. 303-690-3000 is the number uh, taking your calls and your questions and enjoying this afternoon. Even though we still have some little technology problems, uh, we're working on them. Making, we're working around them. How's that? Um, do we still have Mark in Baltimore? Uh, is Mark with us? Sir. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the program. How you doing, sir? I'm glad to hear from you, and you do a great job, and you minister people. And, sir, I just want to say um, thank you, and my question and prayer, really, is since I was younger, I had an issue with prayer, with anger, and I would just, you know, like like a little kid, I would go like, shoot, shoot, shoot. I would literally say that, and from then on, I would pretend to be angry, and then actually it became anger. And so right now, at this moment, you know, going through storms and all, I have anger. Sometimes it is righteous anger, but I want God's perfect will and his heart in this matter yes. that he would actually heal me, deliver me from that wickedness of anger because it doesn't do anything. There are times that it's for righteousness sake, but 99% of the time it's true. It's not righteousness sake. It's just my pride 
and my selfishness and my lust and my own desires. So if you could pray for me right now and other people could pray because it has been a hindrance in my walk with Jesus, sir. Well, let's pray. Yes, sir. Father, I pray for my brother that acknowledges to you his anger and sometimes certainly does cross the line from righteous anger to unrighteous anger. And I pray according to your spirit that you would deliver him from this overwhelming emotion when he feels wronged, uh, when he senses injustice, or when he just wants things his own way. I, I pray, God, that you would meet him where he is and strengthen him. And, God, that you would help him to grow in your grace and in your knowledge, that you continue to, to sanctify him, changing him into a, uh, into a vessel of great honor and greater honor uh, as you continue to do uh, that finished work, bringing him into the image of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Pastor. Um, I'm sorry. For, I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor Ed. You're, you're yes, awesome. Sir. God bless your family. And we just give Pastor Ed and all the teachers and all the pastors in Jesus' name as you bring us to heaven. As Paul said, Pastor Paul, um, we, of course, with this cause I bow my need in heaven for all our family for our families in heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Thanks for calling in. You, Keep calling. All righty. Bye bye. Three oh three six nine zero three thousand. We're gonna move back, I believe, to Colorado. And in Colorado we have Scott calling from Sterling. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor Ed. Thank you very much for taking my call. What's going on, Scott? So I, I have a little bit of confusion, and I'm just trying to get some clarification. And it has to do with good and evil and the creation of Satan. So he's, he's a fallen angel. And my understanding is that what differentiates man from angels is our free will. So how could Satan um, fall and change to become, you know, the harbinger of evil when they don't have free will? Did God not know, I mean, that he was creating something that would turn evil? And then that also leads to my next question, which is, since God's the creator of all things, um, there is evil in the world, nothing evil goes, all good things come from God. How can, how can that be that dichotomy of the two where he's all good, but yet there's evil in the world and he's the creator of all things? No, those are great questions. I think it comes down to responsibility. Uh, the first question: How is it that uh, the demon or the angelic realm that was created perfectly? How is it that they find themselves, at least a third of them, include led by the rebel himself, the devil? How can they? How can they be evil now? And from the text, we see that human beings were created with a free will, and angels were also created with a free will. Uh, but the free will that was given to the angelic realm seems to surround one decision. They were given one opportunity. It's very similar to the one forbidden fruit that was uh, put in the garden. Like there was one thing that that was used to reveal uh, the sinfulness of Adam and Eve, their unwillingness to obey God, and then their re rebellion. They, they went after um, that which was held back from them. And so I believe both of those created entities have been given free will, just different free will. And then when your second question, 
uh, because it gets woven into both a biblical answer and a philosophical answer. Uh, if God creates everything good and evil exists, you know how how is it that God? How is it that evil can, can exist if God is all good? It it must mean that God has evil in Him somehow, or He's responsible for evil. But you see, because God created human beings with freedom then the that he created the possibility or the he in god's creation there is the possibility for evil but the responsibility for evil rests solely upon the people that create it so yeah god knew full well the unfolding of history in advance but for example if i if i left a 100 dollar bill on the on the table and i told my kids don't take that money just leave it there but one of my kids was so tempted by it that they stole the $100 bill and put it in their pocket and went and bought $100 worth of candy. Am I responsible for their sin for leaving the $100 bill out? Or are they responsible for their sin for stealing it? They would be responsible. And that's a, that's a real, that's a real um, you know, sort of an inadequate picture of a sovereign God, but it's the same principle. God is not responsible for the free will decisions, both of the devil and a third of the angels. Neither is he responsible for the free will decisions of Adam and Eve that plunged all of humanity into sin. Even though he, in his sovereignty and in his all, in his omnipotence, knew full well how it would go down, he is not responsible for the evil that exists in the world the decisions that were in rebellion against him and those that made those decisions are responsible. That makes sense. Uh, that, that shed a little bit of light on it for me, and I appreciate that. Hey, it's a great question. Theologians have wrestled with it for millennia, and they're going to continue to wrestle with it. And then one day, we're going to wake up in the presence of God, and he's going to explain it to us, and we're going to go, oh, that's how it works. And then it'll all be clear when we're in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Great question. Thanks for calling. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We're coming, winding down to the end of the program today. We're going to move on to Castle Rock, Colorado. Uh, Robert is calling. Robert, a welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Another beautiful day. Uh, I just had a quick question. Um, I try to read my Bible a little every night, and I just started in the book of John again. Wonderful book. And I was just curious, um, John chapter, I think it's 2, verses 3 and 4, um, whenever Jesus is at the wedding, Mary, yes. Jesus' mother, walks up to him and says, they have no wine. And Jesus' response is, what have I to do with thee, woman? My time has not yet come. And I know, obviously, yes. he hasn't. it's not his time to be glorified yet, but I was just curious what he meant by that as it pertains to a wedding and wine. Can you, can you just repeat real quick the, the verse again, John 2? I think it's John, verse, uh, John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4. So let me just read it real quick here. Pull it up. So in John chapter 2, it does say, it says... Uh, well, let's start from the top. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, 
the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And so there's this dialogue here with Jesus and uh, his mom in this festive time. And Jesus is not being rude here by using the word woman. Um, he's not um, being um, in any way mean to his mom, but he is identifying that the hour or the, the, the hour that has not yet come, uh, he's used, he uses that seven times. And it refers to his timetable because remember, Jesus came for one purpose, and that was to be revealed as Messiah, to be crucified, and to rise again. And when you see that phrase, my hour has not yet come, it's referring to the crucifixion. And it was on a very firm timetable. And here we have Jesus being told by his mother to perform a miracle that would would reveal, like it seems as if God is giving us insight to her motive by the way Jesus answered her. We don't get the motive in her words in the English, but it seems like we're getting the motive uh, behind what she's saying as if it's time. It's not just, don't give them just wine. Like, like it's time, son. Reveal yourself. It's it, your hour. It, it's time. This is it. This is the perfect time for you to reveal yourself. And many other times, Jesus is trying to be, people would try to push or press Jesus into that revelation of him of himself as Messiah. And he was on a firm timetable that wasn't open for negotiation. And that hour has not yet come refers to the crucifixion. Gosh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I just read that. It just kind of threw me off a little like, you know, why is he saying that at a wedding? But that makes so much more sense. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that, Pastor. I was just curious about that. Well, thanks for calling. God bless you. Yes, sir. God bless you, too. Have a wonderful day. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, appreciated the time we were able to spend today. Um, I know that uh, different states and different churches are beginning to meet again very soon. Here at Calvary Church, we are prayerfully considering when we're going to open up again and begin to have people gather together. I want you. I want to remind you, those of you that are fearful or concerned, that the gathering together of the saints is a part of the Christian life from the very beginning. Corporate gathering is an essential part of the DNA of the church. Whether it's a, a few disciples gathered together, 120 gathered in an upper room and the Holy Spirit falls upon them, or, or disciples gathered together in homes like Acts chapter 2, verse 42, or Jesus said where two or three are gathered, in the, uh, I'll be there in the midst of them, or thousands of people gathered together in a church service. Uh, wherever it is, remember, believers were intended to be together. And I know that there is risk about being together, just like there's risk going to the supermarket, just like there's risk going to Home Depot. Um, many believe that liquor stores and marijuana stores are essential, so there's risk going into there. But there is risk and has been risk to our lives physically since the beginning of the fall of man. And when sin entered into the world, there's been a risk to our life and health. Not only a risk, but a real definite end that the wages of sin will be death. 
So as your church opens up, as we open up, I want you to not walk in fear. I want you to walk in confidence. I want you to trust the Lord. And I want you to go back to church. And I mean that sincerely. I don't mean that like as a, just as a pastor, but I want you to go back to church. Certainly you're going to walk in wisdom. Certainly if you are uncomfortable, don't go back yet. Make sure that word yet is there. But make sure it is a yet word and you're like, well, I'm never going to, I'm just going to stay in my house the rest of my life. It is not God's will for you to isolate yourself. It is not God's will for you not to be in fellowship. It is not God's will for you to be afraid and cowardice and be and be cowardly at home. And there is a line to cross. I don't know where it is for you or me, but there will be a line to cross. And I recognize some of you are going through cancer treatment or you have severe asthma or and there are very real concerns. I am not referring to real concerns, but rather irrational fears. And so you can just begin to pray what that looks like in your life. There's a line in my life for me, and there's a line in your life for you. And so rather than saying, oh, you know, Ed, you don't understand, or Pastor, you don't understand, you don't care. No, we actually do care, and we care a lot. We care a lot about the health of the church. We care a lot about the health of our flock. And I mean spiritual, not just physical. And our value system is different from the world, and we value corporate worship. This weekend, we will be online, uh, but pray for us as we pray about getting back together. I mean, it's coming, and it's coming soon. And may the Lord use this time to show us how much he loves us and how faithful he is. Go to our website, calvaryco.church. Look forward to connecting with you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.